I have a question for you this morning to kind of set the tone for where we're going. We're in this series entitled Head on a Swivel, challenging you guys to be looking for opportunities, looking for needs around you to see what's going on in our culture. And I want to launch out today in this, with this question this morning. To what lengths are you willing to go in order to save somebody? To what lengths or measures, to what extremes will you go? What are you willing to do in order to save somebody? If you have your Bibles, I'm going to begin, I'm going to read a passage of scripture today from the book of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, the second gospel of the four. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, then Mark, Mark chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, find it. Or for those of you that have your phones, close the Pokemon game and read the Bible. You don't want me to go there with Pokemon. But I will. If you are an adult, if you are of voting age, I do not want to see you walking. Traffic jams. I'm in Colorado. The digital boards on the interstate says don't drive and Pokemon go seriously evidently somebody's got to be reminded that you can't drive and play Pokemon at the same time I know what some of you later saying but I put my makeup on while I'm driving every morning Pokemon Dave I'm somewhere at 1130 at night shopping center Colorado Springs we've Angie and I have shut the joint down we're done and there are grown people walking around like this going ooh, ooh, ooh. I found him I found him seriously read your Bible just read the Word of God it will get you places oh yeah and there'll be some cheesy Christian version app coming up with Pokey David or something, I don't know, and slaying the giants or what, I don't know. It's just, we better read the Word, amen. Who likes the Bible? Anybody a fan of God's Word, amen, praise Jesus. If you're a guest of ours today, I apologize for everything that just took place. I just drank some Coca-Cola for the first time in like since I was seven, and so I'm really jacked right now. Oh, Lord. Have I read the Bible yet, Dave? No. How you doing? Good. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, here's what it says. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. Stop for a moment right there. Are you seeing this? Jesus is back in Capernaum, and he's in a house And news has has traveled that he's back. And the place is jam-packed. There there are people sitting outside the door. They can't even get in. Man, I long for that to be said of the house of God here in Bernie, Texas. That Man, there are 575 seats in this room. That every one of them would be packed. And people are just hanging outside the doors. Do you believe that can happen? It can. It happened last night at Garth Brooks. You know I could preach right now on that. Guess Garth is more important than Jesus. Oh, I've been gone a while, folks. Here we go. So packed with visitors, there's no room even outside the door. While he was preaching, while Jesus was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. 
And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. And so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on this mat, lowering him right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, seeing their what? Their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come and meet with us in this moment. God, let us not be distracted by what you want to say and do over these next few moments. We are here for you. We're here for you, Lord. Lord, we desire to see your face more clearly. We desire to hear your voice in an audible way. God, we desire, God, just to be so close to your chest that we feel the beating of your heart. God, the reality is today that we need to get a clearer picture as to who you are. God, so in turn we can go and live who you've called us to be. Holy Spirit, be with us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in Mark chapter 2 and and, and the next book over in the Gospels, the book of Luke, you're going to find a story of four men and the story of a paraplegic. Four men that lower this paraplegic through the roof of a very crowded home. Why did they do so? So that this man could be closer to Jesus. So that this man could be closer to Jesus. Listen, someone here in this room right now needs to hear that. And you need to know that when Jesus is present, Jesus changes people's lives. When Jesus is present, he changes the environment of a room. Amen? It wasn't just somebody, some other rabbi in the house that day that caused to be so filled with people. Oh, no. Jesus was in the house. And people knew that when Jesus is in the house, ooh, lives are changed. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been changed because of Jesus. Anybody? All right. There's a few more of you that can can come to -to face-to-face with him then. This story, four people, four men lowering this paraplegic just so he could be closer to Jesus. In fact, the scripture says they lower him right down in the middle of everyone. And the Lord's impressed with this. This is an amazing thing. The Lord is impressed. Why is he impressed? Was it because that they found a way to fight through the crowd? or Was he impressed because, oh, there's a hole in this home? And, oh, here comes a man. No, I think what the Lord was most impressed with was the belief of these four. He was so impressed that he immediately, Scripture says, forgives the paraplegic's sins. Make no mistake about it, church. What these four men did this day in Mark chapter 2 was no easy task. It wasn't even close. The whole ordeal was, was really quite cumbersome. It was probably even exhausting to them. Picture with me a crowded house. Scripture says it's so full that, that, that the, the, the doorway is packed with people, and there are probably so many people even gathered outside the door. How in the world could they get this paraplegic into the presence of Jesus? Well, someone comes up with an idea to, to maybe walk up the stairwell that was beside the house, which was pretty common back in the day. Let's get up the stairwell and and maybe we can, since we can't go in, maybe we can come down through and get him into the presence of Jesus. 
having carried this paraplegic up to the roof, these men found a way to somehow create an opening. Remember that. These men found a way. They created an opening so that this man could come to Jesus. Several translations of Scripture says that maybe they just removed some tiles. The, 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 those houses, a lot of the houses just had, had large tiles. And, and some, some scholars just think maybe they just removed several of those tiles enough, uh, large enough to, to, to lower this man through the roof. Others say that they scooped out an area. You see, it would be common for, for, for there to be mud and, and dirt and things just packed on the roof to kind of seal it tightly. Maybe they just kind of, some, some say they uncovered the roof and broke it up. Regardless of whatever you want to believe or read or whatever your Bible says, it's clear that these men went through a great deal of effort, didn't they? To bring this man into the presence of Jesus. Well, not only do they get the roof open up, now they've got to figure, well, now we've got a hole here. What do we do to get him down there? What would OSHA say of our efforts right now, right? Well, what about who brought pulley systems or whatever? Let's belay him down, you know? What? I don't know. Some terms say that the man was laying on a, on a stretcher, and some scholars say that maybe it was a bed, or others say that it was a mat. Maybe it was just a pallet. I don't know what it was, but whatever the man was resting on, it's probably safe to say that it was very bulky. It was awkward for these four men to carry it up the stairs. You ever done that? How many of you would say, I've carried a dude up on a stretcher upstairs before and then lowered through a roof? That's just not normal, is it? It took four of them. But when they did this, when they were able to accomplish this task, the Lord himself was amazed. You know what was amazing to me so far about when I, when I read this story? These men were present for a fellow man during his time of great need. That, that they were present that they were present for this man in a time of, of great need in his life. Scripture says that he had a physical need in this instance. And feeling the weight of the crippled man's pain, these four men, they begin to treat his pain as their very own. And they take him to the roof only to bring him down into the place of healing. This story is such a short passage in the Scripture, only, only five verses at the most. But it contains, I believe, so much value to us. What I find probably most interesting about this narrative is, is we're never told the relationship between the four men and this paraplegic. I mean, are they friends? Did, did, they, did they know each other? I don't know. It doesn't say. Were they, were they relatives? Were, were these four guys maybe cousins or, or, or whatever? Were they relatives to, to the paraplegic? We, we can't be sure. The author doesn't think that that's important for us in this matter. You see, what matters the most is this. That 2,000 years ago, four men showed up. Did you hear that? What matters most is that uh, 2,000 years ago, four men decided to show up. They saw someone in need. Their head was on a swivel. And they saw someone in need, and they did something 
about it. Wouldn't you like to have four friends like that? Would you not like it if you had four friends that would go to that great of an extreme, to that length in order to help you in your time of need? Who wouldn't want that? Anybody? If you wouldn't want four friends like that, just raise your hand right now. And I'll just like, no, we all would long for friends like that. We, we would long to have friends that care more than what others think is wise, correct? I mean, think about these guys. These guys were more concerned for the paralyzed man than anything else at this moment. Now, I'm sure this day that other people had seen this paraplegic in his condition. They may have seen him for several days. He might have been somebody that was well-known in the community, and people just saw him day in and day out. They saw him in his condition. But here's the deal. They chose to do nothing. They saw him. And they chose to do nothing about it. Kind of like some of us within the body of Christ these days. We see people in need. We know that there are people hurting and desperate all around us. We know that people are going through difficult times. And, and here's the typical response, I believe, in the, of the church in America today. Oh, Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the one who reigns eternal, The God who calms the storms and raises the dead to life. Oh, Lord, would you just please send somebody to meet this person in their time of need? We know you can do it, Lord. You've done it in the past. Isn't that what we do? We oftentimes find people that are in difficult situations and they're desperate. And our response is to pray, Lord, would you please send someone to help them? What would happen if we became the answer to that prayer? What if instead of, hey, Lord, would you send someone else? What if Pedro just said, hey, Lord, here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to step out and be used right now. It was interesting. Pastor Howard and I, in between services earlier today, a young man came in and just said, hey, I guess i got to tell you, man, this, this series is, is jacking me up because I'm doing things that I've, I've never done before. My eyes are open and I'm seeing needs around me. One of our college students just said, man, there was somebody the other day. I'm driving down the highway and, and right in the middle of, of the highway in the center meeting, somebody's broke down. And I don't know why, but I just kind of made my way through traffic and turned and kind of made my way out. And I just kind of pulled over to help. It's crazy. Who does that on I-10? Uh, I think somebody that's eat up with Jesus and wants to be an answer to the prayer that here I am. Lord, why don't you... You, you, you use me. Wouldn't you like to have friends that, that may be like these guys? They dream more than what others think is practical. Listen, I don't know about you, and I, I, don't know, I don't know if these guys made a living of, hey, let's just go tear up somebody's house and drop people through the roof. I don't know if they did that on a daily basis. Probably they didn't. The, the, these guys, they, they threw off conventional wisdom this day and methods, and they saw this man in need, and they just simply responded. Now listen, I'm sure that there were haters in the crowd that day. I'm sure that there were doubters that day who must have thought, man, this poor paraplegic, man, bless his heart. You know, there is, this situation for him is really impossible. Of all the days, you know, that oh, he could have 
had Jesus meet his need. Man, all these people decide to show up. And I are one of them, you know? And now he can't get in to see him. I'm sure that they thought the situation, there's no room. This, this man has no way to Jesus. Man, aren't you thankful that these four kind of dreamed a little bit? You know? I'm thankful for guys like Steve Jobs who, who dreamed a little bit years ago and created, you know, devices for you grown adults to play Pokemon on. And I mean, it's just, they dreamed a little bit. Have I told y'all how I feel about that yet? I know some of you are mad at me. You know I love you, and there's room at the cross for you. Um, they dream more. Wouldn't you like to have friends that dream more than what others think is practical? Wouldn't you like to have these friends that expect more than what others think is possible? They expect more than... Th- th- these guys knew. Listen, guys, they knew what Jesus was capable of. You think that, Right? I mean, seriously, if they, they knew what Jesus was able to do, that's why they went through such great efforts to carry this, this paraplegic up the, the stairs. That's why they knew what Jesus, if we could just get a hole in this roof, man, we can drop him down in front of Jesus because we know, we know, we believe that Jesus is more than able. You see, their belief that nothing was impossible for Jesus, it compelled them to find a way, any way in to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said healed this paraplegic of his sins? For, it was their what? Their, their effort? No. What healed the paraplegic? It was their faith, right? Faith. They believed. They had faith that Jesus could. Listen, faith finds a way. It always finds a way. Wouldn't you like to have some friends that would risk more than what others think is safe? I mean, talk about caring for someone. These, these four daredevils did whatever necessary. Not, not, not looking out for their own interests. Hey, listen, how many of you are play it safe type people? Let me see your hands. You, you, you hate extreme risk. You don't like to take risks. You're just going to, how many see your hands? Okay, the rest of you are daredevils then. All right, I like that. The, the, these four, they just got, hey, we don't know what's going to happen here. We don't know if this roof will support us. You know, there's five of us up here. We, we don't know if we're strong enough to, to lower the friend down, or this man down in front. Listen, the paraplegic was their only focus. They didn't care about themselves in this moment. You, you might say that they were selfless. In this moment, I know that we live in a day and an age in which people all around us are really selfless, right? <laughs> no. But these guys didn't care about themselves. They just knew that this paraplegic must get to Jesus. They were willing to risk it. I love this quote by T.S. Eliot. It says, Only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Orville and Wilbur Wright, airplane, failure, time and time again. It's okay. We're going to push it a little bit more. Edison with electricity. I mean, just light bulb, time and time again, right? Thomas Edison, light bulb, right? Something like that. I don't know. That's what my wife told me. But, you know, failure after failure after failure. But we're going to continue to push the envelope. We're going to see how far we can go. What if we became like these four men? What would happen? 
But what if all of us in this room here today begin to operate with the same mindset and operate from the same position as these four men that we read about in Mark chapter 2? I'm just telling you, things would change. Lives would change. Can you imagine if people were a little less selfish and considered the needs of others before their own? Would, would that not change culture? Would it? Would it change? Yeah. Can you, can you begin to imagine when, 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 when we as a church would be willing to risk it and do whatever it takes just to get people in the presence of Jesus? Can you imagine how many lives would be changed? Are you with me today? You see, these guys dare to do the difficult. They attempted the unorthodox. They risk the dangerous. They paid the price for something costly. Oh, what would happen? But when I look around and survey the church in America today, I see something very different than these four men in Mark chapter 2. I, I see so many within in the church that are not willing to go to the same extreme that I see here that these four men did. Why? Why don't? For some of us, maybe we're just a little scared. We're, 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 we're scared. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've never, never lowered a paraplegic through a roof before, Jason. Or, man, I, you know, man, I'm just, listen, I'm just a high schooler. I, I struggle with English. And now you're asking me to, to really step out and risk it and do something adventurous or you know, hey, listen, I, I'm just, listen, I, I, I remember that last time I stepped out to help someone in need, and man, they burned me, you know, they just hurt me and burned me, and I'm just, I'm scared, I, I'm not, some of us are just too scared, some of us, maybe we're just too busy, you know, we could pull our phones out today and close Pokemon and look at your to-do list, and, and you're just overscheduled, you know, in the church, we can become too busy, right? You've heard me say this, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And for some of us, we, we just don't have time to help someone in need. We, we, we don't have time to help a desperate individual that we know by name right now. Just too busy. Oh, it's going to require me to give up my weekend. I work so much Monday through Friday and ah, oh, you know. Some of us, this is the sad, some of us, we just, we're just unconcerned for, for desperate people. We don't have a heart for them. Poor person. Gosh, I, I'm, bless their heart. Some of us just don't have a concern when we, when we have our head on us. When we find someone that's desperate and we're just like, ah, oh, golly. That situation is just a little too messy. Maybe somebody else more qualified. Let's leave it to the paid Christians in the church, the church staff. They'll do it, right? We pay them to be like Jesus. And that's what I see happening time and time again. Church, let me remind you, there are people around us that are hurting. They're hurting. They're in need of healing. They're just like this paraplegic in Mark chapter 2. They need somehow to come face to face and into the presence of the healer, Jesus. Healing is what they need. Healing is going to require radical actions. But radical action brings radical 
change. We tell our students that we've been rescued radically so that in turn we can go and rescue radically. (laughs) You know, we've been radically rescued so we can go rescue radically. Guys, listen, people are hurting and they need our healer. It's going to be a risk, though. You know, adventure really means risk. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Some scholars say life off the chain, life to the max, you know, the best life possible. It's a life of adventure. Listen, these guys accepted an adventure this day. I don't know if, if this was a common practice for them. I mean, did they daily just let's go bust up roofs and drop people through them? I don't know. But they were willing to take a risk. Let me ask you a question this morning, church. Whose stretcher are you carrying? Whose stretcher are you carrying? You know someone that's hurting and desperate and in need of Jesus. Are you willing to be a stretcher carrier? Verse 4 says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Two things that I think are going to be important for us if we're going to be risk takers. If we're going to keep our head on the swivel and, and, and respond to needs and be desperate, there are a couple of things that I think that, that we're going to have to get over and get past. We need to get over can't and closed doors. We need to get over we can't do that. Or closed doors. You know what the, the, the seven last words of a dying church are? We've never done it that way before. We've never done it that way. We need to get past can't. We need to get past closed doors. Hey, listen. Do we not proclaim as Christ followers that with God all things are possible? When did we forget that? Can we not quote the verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? When did we really stop believing that? You see, when I look around, we we seem to be making more and more excuses these days and trusting God less and less. We've become soft. We give up so easily. Church, will we be willing to do whatever it takes to get others to Jesus? Will we? We need to get over can't and close doors. We need to get past the crowd. We need to get past obstacles. We even need to get past religious people. Faith was what healed this man in Mark chapter 2. Faith. But faith needs to be combined with effort. In fact, doesn't it say somewhere in Scripture that, that faith without works is faith without works is, is dead? Listen, I'm not saved by my good deeds, but because I'm saved, I do good deeds. You see what I'm saying? The, these guys did not just have faith that Jesus, hey, listen, Jesus is down the street in somebody's house. Woo! Gee, man. We believe that Jesus can heal him. No, they, they, they took action. 
They brought the dude to Jesus. It required great effort. I'm sure that paralyzed man, when he saw the crowds that day, much just said, oh, my goodness. Hey, guys, let's just thank you, but let's just forget about it. It's just too much work. There are too many people here. No. His only chance of healing was to get into the presence of Jesus. These guys took desperate measures. You know, desperate times, desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm telling you, church, the day and age in which we live in, it's going to require that we as the church rise up and do things that we've never done before. We, we can continue to be content and just sit here in this box and do what we're doing right now. We can be content with that. But I'm telling you, it's not going to change a culture outside these walls. It's not. And for far too long, we've been content just to gather and sing and lift our hands and, and hear another rousing sermon. While our world is hurting around us and they're desperate, they're longing for someone to come and drop them through the roof. Listen, God is looking for those with guts. He's looking for those with gumption that will do whatever it takes to get people to him. Jackie Robinson was the first black man to play Major League Baseball. In his first season with the Brooklyn Dodgers, Jackie Robinson faced venom nearly everywhere that he traveled. Pitchers would throw fastballs at his head in the batter's box. Base runners, when they would slide into second base, would slide in with their spikes up just to try to to harm him. Even, you know, nicknames being thrown out from the dugouts of the opposing teams. Even his very own fans there in Brooklyn saw him as an object of reproach. During one game in Boston, the taunts and the racial slurs seemed just to reach an all-time high. To make matters worse, Jackie Robinson committed an error that game And he stood there at second base while the crowd was booing. He stood there humiliated while the fans hurled insults at him. One of his teammates, another Brooklyn Dodger, a southern white man by the name of Pee Wee Reese that played shortstop that day, called timeout. And he walked from his position at shortstop towards Jackie Robinson, who was standing at second base. And with the crowds looking on, Pee Wee Reese put his arm around Jackie Robinson's shoulder. The fans, they grew quiet. Jackie Robinson would go on later to say, that that arm around his shoulder that day saved his career. Church, who will you go through the roof for? It it wasn't easy that day for, for Pee Wee Reese, a white man, to go and put his arm around a black man named Jackie Robinson. But he did it. He was willing to go through the roof. I'm just wondering, is there someone 
that you would be willing to go through the roof for? Who will you be willing to take a risk for? Do you see people around you that need to get to Jesus? Who around you would be considered that, that paraplegic today? Who? Now, let me just suggest something to you. For, for, for those of you that are not a Christian, you, you, you've, never, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come in and be Lord and Savior of your life. You've never given your life to Jesus. You're, 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 you're not a Christian. Listen, you're not born a Christian. Let me just, I want to make that clear. There, there's some confusion, I think, in our culture. I ask people, hey, how long have you been a Christian? Well, I've just always been a Christian. No, you haven't. You, you've been a sinner. That's what the Bible calls you. You're, you're a sinner. You're, you've not always been a Christian. Well, my parents were. Well, that didn't make you a Christian. Or, or they, I, I go to church. That didn't make you a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you more of a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you an automobile. Do people park their cars in their garage anymore? I don't know. We don't. We just put more crap in there. You've not always been a Christian. All of us were what the Bible calls sinners. Right? We were wretched. Wretched. You've not always been. So someone here today, let, let me just, if you're not a Christian, then you're like this paralytic here in this story spiritually speaking you, you need healing you, 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 you need to get into the presence of Jesus you, you, you may be able to, to walk physically but, but, but spiritually you're, you're not where God would have you right now and by the way isn't it interesting these four men took a paraplegic through the roof that day and what was the healing that Jesus gave him? He forgave him of his sins. Why didn't he heal his legs? Well, what? No, it says in verse 5 that Jesus says, My child, your sins are forgiven. There was a spiritual healing that took place in his life. However, the story doesn't end there. You see, there's a few verses after that that, that, that basically the, the religious teachers of the law were present. You know religious people can screw things up, right? Religious people are a mess. Lost people sometimes are more fun to hang out with. I'm going to be honest with you. They're, they're just no more. Religious people can screw things up. And it happened here in Mark chapter 2. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The religious leaders of the law ask themselves, what is he saying to this guy? This is, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew it says in Scripture. He knew what they were thinking. And Jesus asked them this question. Is it easier to see a paralyzed man? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man that your sins are forgiven? Or to stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I love it when Jesus kind of talks trash to people. I love it. Jesus said, you guys think you got it all figured out. You're right, I did heal this man spiritually. I did take away 
the spiritual condition of his heart. You see, that's the greatest need for most of you in this room today is your spiritual condition. Jesus started by healing the man's heart. And then I love how the story ends here. Jesus said, you think that was good? Watch this. Hey, sir, I want you to pick up your mat right now. I want you to stand up and you walk and go home. (laughs) He healed him physically that day as well. Listen, I know we've got some folks here today that need spiritual healing. I see my friend Levi Hartman right down here. Levi, stand up. Levi just took his first round of chemo this week, folks. He's dealing with some cancer. Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I hugged Levi. I hadn't seen him. It's been a month. And all this news coming down. I hugged Levi a while ago. And he says, the blood of Jesus has this. Are you kidding me? Thank you, buddy. Jesus covers me. He's got this. Levi and Lauren, I want you to know we're praying for you guys. Jesus healed this man spiritually, and he also healed him physically. Some of you here today, you are a Christian. So there's some paralyzed people here that, 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 that need a healer. You need Jesus. But, but there are some people here that are also a Christian. And this man in this story is an outward picture of, of who you, you once were. So let me ask you Christians, who was it that helped you come to Jesus? You see, somebody brought you to Christ one day, didn't they? For me, it was my mom. My mom was a major role. I had Sunday school teachers that helped. I had, there were some preachers, probably, I guess they played a little role. I don't remember anything those guys said. But there were other people that that really played a role in helping me come to know Jesus. Somebody played a role in your life, Christian. You see, you once were paralytic, but somebody brought you to Jesus. Am I talking to anybody? You probably can think of them right now. What if that person had decided, you know what? I listen, Jason's too messy. He weighs a lot. There's no way I can get him through the roof. But somebody took a risk. And they dared to do the unthinkable. Hey, Christian, who have you helped to meet Jesus? Who have you tried to show Jesus to? I know that we don't have to be here, but you know what statistics say? Less than 2% of churchgoers ever invite someone to church. Less than 2% ever invite someone to come to church. I know that you don't have to be here in order for Jesus to save someone. This is not the end all. I get it. But let's make no mistake about it. Is this place not electric when we're together? Can we not sense the spirit of the living God here in this presence? In our presence today, he's here. But who have you invited? Who have you gone out of your way to try to get to Jesus? I'm telling you, I pray that we would have the same desire that these four men had to get this paraplegic into the presence of Jesus. Here's what we're going to do today. Because I believe that there's some sick people here. There's some paralyzed people in the house today. And today, I want to give you an opportunity to be healed. You see, Jesus is here with us today. And in his presence, people's lives are changed. And so I want to ask you to stand with me this morning as we get ready to leave here. And I want to ask our prayer ministry team to run to the front right now. 
And here's the simple invitation, the call for you today. I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss all of us. And and people are going to be making a run for the door to exit. Listen, if you're here today and you be honest with yourself, listen, I'm like the paraplegic man. I need a healer. I need Jesus. Listen, I pray that today you wouldn't run to the exit until you run to the front and say, hey, I want Jesus Christ to come into my life. Telling you, Jesus changes people's lives. Does he change lives, Gaetan family? He does. He does. Dave, has Jesus changed your life? It wasn't a preacher. It wasn't a counselor. It was, it was Jesus, wasn't it? Jill, you know what I'm talking about? Jesus changes people's lives. So I'm going to pray, and if you're here today, you need a healing. If you're desperate, you've tried it all too long. You've done everything you can, but yet you still hurting. You lack peace. There's no joy. You lack purpose. Telling you it can be found today. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this story today in Mark chapter 2 of four friends, four men that did whatever they could to get this paraplegic into your presence. Lord, they knew, they knew what we know that you changed people's lives. Lord, I'm praying for that individual right now that needs Jesus. I'm praying right now that even as I'm praying that they would come to the front and just grab one of our ministry teams and say, hey, listen, I need Jesus to come into my life. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm tired of working harder. I'm tired of this. Listen, I just need Jesus. I need healing today. Healing is available. You come right now. Jesus is present and he changes lives. Lord, I pray for the rest in this room, the church that we would develop this mindset that whatever it takes to get people into the presence of Jesus, we are willing to do it. Lord, let us keep our head on a swivel this week. Let us be sensitive to those opportunities you're going to place before us. And let us respond like Jesus would. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.